Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. That's right, Howard. Here he is, Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, folks. Hope everybody's doing very, very well this week. Oh, what a week. What a week to be alive. What a week for pro wrestling. What a week for me in terms of pro wrestling. You know, it was my birthday. I I thank you all for the tweets. Really didn't need all the attention, but I do appreciate all the nice tweets. It was my birthday over the weekend, over Labor Day weekend. And I decided I finally found it. I was scouring the internet. I was trying to find, this is my uh, replica belt, uh, 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 I don't know, magic genie lamp, diamond in the rough, something that's very difficult to find. This was it. It's the WWF Winged Eagle, Winged Eagle, I always say winged, Winged Eagle Championship title. Uh, it's this belt. I'm holding it in my hands right now. I just got it in the mail. I decided that since it was my birthday, I would get it for myself. You can't really find them anymore. You can get them made for like two or three thousand dollars, and they're the legit thing. But I think I'm looking at the back. In 2011, they put out a set of replica belts, t- championship titles. I mean, with the original WWF logo on it. In the beginning, when they first released the classic belts, championships, they had the WWE logo except in block letters. So it was like the original logo except with the F cut off. Then, for some reason, I guess they got the rights back and they decided to put out the championship titles uh, as they were with the big WWF logo. However, I, I think it was just for continuity's sake and for branding, but they turned around and went in the opposite direction a year or two later and released a new series of replica titles, uh, this time back to the original WWE logo. So there's not that many replica winged eagle WWF championships with the WWF logo. They're very hard to find, especially in good shape. I found one. I had it shipped from Canada. It's in excellent shape. I had to find a guy on eBay and talk to him and blah, blah, blah. But He's only ever hung it. He said, he assured me there's no creases in it. And as I look, there are no creases. It's got the logo. I don't know. There, I, I, see, I have trouble. And you can tweet at not Sam if you can if you can tell me what your favorite championship title of all time is. Because to me, this is it. The Winged Eagle WWF Championship is my favorite title that the WWE has ever used. However, I think that is possibly because it's the title that was the world championship when I was a kid. It's the championship that was worn by Hulk Hogan, by Macho Man Randy Savage, by The Ultimate Warrior, by Bret the Hitman Hart, by Shawn Michaels, last held by Stone Cold Steve Austin for one glorious night at WrestleMania 14, DX rated. Then they switched over to the uh, Attitude Era championship titles. But... I wonder sometimes if the reason that I like this title better than any other title is because it really is nicer, or is it because it's the main title from my childhood? Like, you know, everybody thinks that the music from when they were in high school is the best music. My generation right now is just like, uh, like I'm 32. So us in our like late 20s and early 30s, everybody's now starting to look at MTV and go... You know, when I used to watch this, it was real music. Pearl Jam, Nirvana. I mean, they were real bands. Now, they don't even play instruments. And I'm looking at them like, guys, do you not understand that you are watching MTV the same way your parents watched MTV when you were watching? And you were like, you know, there used to be Sinatra, Elvis, 
the Beatles. Now it's just a bunch of guys who, with unwashed hair slamming on their instruments. That's not music. That happens a lot. You see it as the generations go by. So I have to wonder to myself, before I can make the declarative statement that the WWF winged eagle title belt is my favorite of all time, which it is in my head at the moment, I have to figure out whether or not that's just because I have my childhood nostalgia with it. I don't think so. I mean, it's really tough to beat this one. It probably, for me, goes winged eagle title, then... mm, I like here's the here's the titles that I like. I like the Winged Eagle title, then the Smoking Skull, Stone Cold title, and we'll talk about the Stone Cold podcast later here uh, on uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Then I like the Undisputed title, then the Big Gold title, the old WCW NWA. But I like the curved version. I don't know. We could talk about wrestling championships all show long, but it would even get boring for us wrestling fans. Only the most hardcore of the hardcore would enjoy. And I'm trying to open this up. You know what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, today's podcast is all about the fans and appreciating the fans. Uh, I asked if you wanted to see it. This uh, uh, Today's interview segment did previously air on SiriusXM, and it is available on YouTube as part of a, a, a larger show. But, you know, judging from your tweets, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily like to go to YouTube, that don't subscribe to SiriusXM, that want to get all of their Sam Roberts wrestling information from this podcast. So I decided... Before we move on completely from SummerSlam weekend content, uh, I'll throw on the Q&A. So uh, uh, I did SummerSlam weekend, a big Caroline's on Broadway, New York City live broadcast. Katie Linendahl was there with me. I had Corey Graves there. I had Paul Heyman there. For the last segment of the show, I opened it up to the audience. Uh, my friend Kathy Kelly was there moderating the Q&A. So I decided, and the Q&A got really good. There's a lot of great moments in this Q&A, um, specifically from Paul Heyman, but we get uh, Corey Graves addressing the fact that Paul Heyman referred to him as the greatest uh, color commentator in wrestling today. We get uh, Paul Heyman finally explaining why he wasn't able to do more as Cesaro's manager. There's a, there's a lot of good moments. We get Paul Heyman uh, talking about the the process of bringing people into ECW when he was running ECW. It really was, this Q&A got right down to wrestling stuff for wrestling fans. And that's why I thought everybody that listens to this podcast would enjoy this. And even if you've heard it, I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing it again. Uh, it was probably my favorite part of the broadcast, which really goes to tell you where my level of self-esteem is at, because it's the one part where I wasn't asking the questions. It's the one part where I opened it up to you. I was just sitting there listening to you guys ask Paul Heyman questions, going, man, these guys ask great questions. Why can't I be smarter? Why can't I be more like them? These are real wrestling fans. Well, I guess that's why you subscribe, and I'm happy to have you. So, without, uh, without any more delay, let's listen to today's interview segment of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the Q&A with Corey Graves and Paul Heyman live with Katie Linendahl and myself from Caroline's on Broadway in New York City. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. We've got Katie Linendahl on stage. We've got Paul Heyman on stage. We've got Corey Graves back on stage. And we've got a packed house here at Caroline's on Broadway. Paul, this is exciting for you, isn't it? They are. She is. And you know who brought all of he it? Is. You know who brought it all? Katie. Primetime Sam Roberts. It's Sam Roberts Show. That's right. That's right. Listen to him. And I'll tell you this. It's not the Sam Roberts Show. There's an apostrophe after Roberts because it's possessive. It's mine. Mine. But You, you were so bullied as a child. I was a little bit. I was never an athlete. But uh, let's open up uh, to some questions. We have uh, the wonderful Kathy Kelly out amongst the people. And she's going to be moderating this incredible Q&A. Uh, Kathy, do you have someone there? Yes, we have James from Long Island. James from Long Island. I have a question for both Paul and Corey Graves. You guys, do you guys watch um, Tough Enough lately? If you had a pick out of the last four, both male and female, who would you choose to actually win if you guys could choose? If 
I had to pick, and I'm usually pretty terrible at picking these things, I would go with uh, the big guy who does the Chewbacca growl all the time. Josh, I think is his name. I saw him for the first time, and he was pretty impressive um, physically. I don't know much beyond that. And then uh, what's the, the blonde girl that's not Sarah Lee? Amanda? I like her as well. I think she's got, she's got the look. She's, got the, she's physically fit. I think she'd be all right. All right, tough enough. And Paul uh, Heyman. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on the question because I don't want to influence the voting. Though I, I will, though I will say, I will say that if today we held a John Laurinaitis soundalike contest, <laughs> sir, you are the winner. I'm John Laurinaitis, vice president of Talent Operations. And I'm here to suck up the entire show. <laughs> John Laurinaitis, of course, one of the esteemed executives for the company Paul Heyman works for. <laughs> Just bringing everybody on board. Uh, Kathy, do we have another question out there? Jonathan from Virginia. What's your question? Uh, this is a question for Mr. Heyman. Nice to, be, nice to see you in person. Nice to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, I appreciate You're the welcome, fact... You're welcome, sir. Thank you. <laughs> You're so polite. Uh, I appreciate the fact that Stop you started... Stop flirting and ask the question. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you started your career as a photographer, because I, I do the same. Uh, I, I shoot at ringside for various national companies. I feel I'm very good at what I do, and I just had, uh, if you had any advice uh, for somebody starting out to make it a paying gig and, you know, to get to the big times as far as ringside photography goes. As a photographer? Yes, sir. Uh, you s start selling your stuff to Wire Images and Film Magic and, and Image Collect and, and all these services. There are so many services out there now because... Cause with the web exploding even further now, there's so many services that offer pi that offer pictures to to websites. Just start getting your work on those sites, and that, that's when you start getting picked up by the Associated Press and the big time magazines and and, and the big time websites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just keep on applying your work and keep on keep on sending your stuff out and get yourself on these wire services that sell that sell your work to all the websites. How how important do you think it is for people, especially like that who are working in media, to be aware? of how quickly things are changing. Because like, if you look at your story, you did start out as a photographer, but that's when you could make a call and, as you say, hustle your way backstage. You can't do that anymore if, the way you did. If you're not ahead of the... Well, you, you can. You can, but you just have to do it in, in today's environment. Right. Listen, today is all about uh, distribution. It just, and it has to be. And, and, to be. and I know we all love to make fun of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and no one likes to make fun of him more than I do. But, <laughs> uh, but think about this. The key to WWE right now, the key to the stock, the key to the entire company is the distribution of the WWE network. He went with a self-distribution model, and he went against the curve to do so. Everybody says, it's a Netflix model, it's a Netflix model. He turned his back on all that pay-per-view money and promoting pay-per-views to do self distribution of his product. He curated all the libraries, offered them to the public, and then took all his pay-per-views and put them on the network itself. It's self-distribution. So he said to everybody, I'm going to cut out the middleman. I'm going to go direct to the consumer. That's what the environment is today. Any place else in media, they just did an interview with one of the heads of ESPN who said in the next five years, ESPN is going to go direct to consumer. So it's all about distribution. Where can, you know, if you want to buy a Pepsi-Cola or a Coca-Cola or, or, or a Snapple or whatever, whatever you want to drink, it's about distribution. If you can't find it in your local store, you can't order it. So it's all about getting your work out there. Kathy. Matt from Staten Island. Hello. Um, this question is for Paul. Um, is there an angle that you were a part of or that you booked or anything like that that you thought was going to be great? but ultimately flop in the end, and vice versa. And vice versa, like that I thought would suck and then turn out to be great? Well, I've been part of angles that I thought were going to suck and turn out to be great, but I didn't write them because if I wrote them and I thought they'd suck, I wouldn't have presented them to the public. Have I ever? I can't even tell you how many things I... Hey, listen, when we first started in ECW, um, we, we had we had a lot of characters, you know. We, we we took the Sandman from being a beach boy, and we turned him into a cigarette smoking, cane wielding, bar drunk, which is what he was.
was, you know. We, um, you know, we, we, we took the barefoot, fur-wearing Tasmaniac, and we, and we made him the first tap-out artist in, in professional wrestling. Um, we, took, we took pretty boy Tommy Dreamer, you know, we, we made him the heart and soul of the company. We took, we took Joey Styles, who looked like Poindexter when I got him, and we made him the Rock of Gibraltar and, and, and the most credible announcer at, at the time. Corey now has that distinction in the entire, and I mean that sincerely, uh, in the entire industry. Um, we had a, we took the public enemy, you know. Look at, you know, and if you look at who they were before they were the public enemy, no one would have thought that they could have pulled that off, but they did. And we tried out a lot of different things back then. We, we had one guy, and I'm not knocking him personally, we had one guy I thought was going to hit called the Lumberjack. Okay, and that he was to, the name. Yeah, the lumberjack. He came out to because I and, and truth be told, because I liked the song by Jackal called the Lumberjack, because Jesse James Dupree would play it on on a chainsaw. You know, and I was like, wow, man, that's really cool music. This guy will get over just on his music, <laughs> and this guy flopped. I mean, it was just it was horrible. Um, so I, I, at least call him like Al the Lumberjack or something. Just the Lumberjack. Oh, uh, if we're gonna suck, we're gonna suck really, really <laughs> bad. So I mean, you know, and then there's been, been a lot of different things that we've tried. You know, I mean, and that's it. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes the failures are just as great as the successes because you learn what not to do. It, it, and, and that's the whole thing I said at the end of the ECW DVD. You know, if, if you're afraid to fail, you're never going to succeed. So I, it's, it's not that I've ever been embarrassed by our failures. I'm, I'm actually proud of them because they led us to do things better the next time. But that's just one of them. And I, I can probably list a hundred things that I thought like, oh, this is can't miss. And then it's like, oh, God, that sucks. <laughs> Kathy, where are we? There we are. We have Scott from Long Island. I have a question for the advocate. I think one of the most fascinating... Don't, don't pat his ego like that. Just call him Paul. <laughs> one of the most fascinating things I've seen in WWE this year is how, just by saying, welcome to Suplex City, bitch, how they launched this whole merchandise <laughs> campaign, all those shirts. I think they're missing one of the words on the shirt, though. Was that uh, spontaneous from Brock in the middle of that match, or is that something, uh, one of your other genius ideas you thought of? No, that was all Brock. He was just throwing Roman Reigns around that ring at will, and he's just walking around the ring, and he just looked down, and he just went, Suplex City, bitch! <laughs> and and, and uh, that's just Brock. And then so when we were heading out to the ring on the next night, and the crowd was, was obviously aching to chant Suplex City, um, you know, I, I again, I, I never want to just be one of the masses and just conform. I just said to Brock, I said, hey, I'm going to play on this, and uh, we're going to go with all three words instead of just the first two. <laughs> I got a question for Corey Graves. How do you react when Paul Heyman has just spent, like, he's mentioned several times on this stage that he feels that you are the top play-by-color commentator in the business today? How, does that, how do you react to that? Do you think, he, you think he's full of it? No, I don't think he's full. I, I hope he's not full of it, and I'm, I'm truly humbled. I grew up watching ECW, and you are, are one of the reasons I'm around this business. And to, we were talking backstage. We've known each other in some capacity for 10 years. Ten years. Yeah. It's we, insane we, we now. We met 10 years ago in Louisville. And just, you know, I, as I've grown and you've, you've continued to do your thing, uh, that means the world to me, honestly. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And the fact that you did it in front of people is, is even doubly cool. So thank you. Not just any people. The Sam Roberts Show audience. Huge, huge. Uh, we're Kathy. We have another Matt from Long Island, so um, they name I, him out there. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I have a question for uh, Paul Heyman. Um, in ECW, you brought in a lot of great international talent. Uh, Ray Mysterio was in ECW. Uh, you had a bunch of Japanese talent too. Have you, when you were bringing guys in, how did you? Uh, did you get videos of of guys coming in? Did you ever, where if you're like, I'm going to go for more high flyers or I'm going to go for more of the guys who work the kind of like MMA style? Like, have you ever tried to, uh, was there a point where you're like, I want to bring in a guy like Sakuraba or someone who's heavily MMA influenced or? It was always the need of what we didn't have. You know, it, it, um, when we lost, and I, I, we're not supposed to say the name, but I'll say the name. When we lost Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero, uh, we lost the Japan style, and I, I didn't want to then go and seek out the Japan style again. I figured, wow, there's really no representation of Lucha in the United States, so I called Conan, and I said, who's the best you got? And he said, I got Mysterio, Psychosis, 
and Juventud Guerrera. And I said, well, I'll take all three, and you can come along with them. Uh, when, we, when we lost the lucha style, uh, there was a new movement in Japan, and, and we had tasted it with the Michinoko Pro guys, but Tajiri was doing such revolutionary things in Japan, and Super Crazy was doing Japanese style in Mexico. So I reached out for Victor Quinones, and I said, hey, Victor, I'd really like to get Tajiri and Super Crazy in here together because I have guys that can work that style as well because nobody has seen that style in the United States. Um, when we were promoting Taz as the MMA artist, uh, we reached out for Paul Varlins because I had friends at Semaphore Entertainment, which at the time owned UFC. And I would have taken more UFC guys. I would have taken Gary Goodridge. I would have taken. I would have loved to have had Randy Couture back then. Here's one for you. One of the guys that I desperately tried to bring into ECW – uh, to work with Taz, and had he committed to us, we would have probably ended up with him as a world champion for a while, was Frank Shamrock, because Frank also worked in Japan as a professional wrestler, let alone a mixed martial artist, so Frank understood the industry. So it was always what we didn't have. You know, if, if we already had blood and guts, I didn't need more blood and guts. If we already had high flyers, I didn't need more high flyers unless it was to feed the high flyers that we had. If you were a better high flyer than who we had, I'd come after you. But I didn't look for more high flyers when I had high flyers. I didn't look for brawlers when I had brawlers. I always looked for st styles that we didn't have that were new and progressive. And tomorrow, which is what NXT is about, than uh, what we already had. No, thank you. Yeah, Who do we got next, Kathy? We have Robert from Akron, Ohio. Robert. Thank you. How y'all doing out there? Uh, Paul, I want to ask you, why weren't you allowed to do more with such a phenomenal talent like Cesaro? I mean, oh. you've, been, you've been able to take Brock Lesnar to heights that okay. Brock Lesnar didn't achieve by himself. And I, and I know how much you believe in Cesaro. So what happened there? Here's what happened to Cesaro. And it was both a blessing and a curse for him. When I was paired with Cesaro, Brock Lesnar had just beaten the streak the night before. Now, Brock Lesnar goes on hiatus. The theory would be Paul Heyman goes on hiatus with Brock Lesnar. But that had to be, in all humility, the single biggest win in WWE history. Because it wasn't, listen, titles change all the time. Uh, one person turns on another all the time. Storylines develop all the time. That was a streak that lasted almost a quarter of a century. The guy won 21 straight WrestleManias. That's only going to happen once in any of you know. Nobody's going to get to 21 and 0 again. Brock Lesnar can. He's lost at WrestleMania. No one can get to 21 and 0. That was a once ever victory. Okay. So what do we do? Everybody here bitches and moans and complains when you see something happen on television and they don't follow up with it, right? And you should. You should. Oh, they did this in the first hour. I didn't hear about it in the second or third hour. Why didn't they follow up? Why didn't they give this meaning? Why didn't they really understand how important this was to us as the audience? We beat The Undertaker at freaking WrestleMania, okay? So what do we do? You put Paul Heyman back on television on every show, Raw, SmackDown, Main Event, Superstars, any show I can go on so I could say one thing. My client, Brock Lesnar, conquered The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania and drive that point home every time. Cesaro gets paired with me, to be blunt, as an excuse for me to be on television and remind everybody that Brock Lesnar beat the streak. The hope was that we could rub some of that credibility, that we could rub some of that star power, that we could rub some of that spotlight on Cesaro. The unfortunate part for Cesaro is it relegated him to being a supporting player for a guy doing a promo about something else. The fortunate part for Cesaro is it put him in the same frame on television with that guy. So Vince McMahon had no choice but to notice him. Because before that night, I don't know how much Vince actually really noticed Cesaro. So in front of the camera, it was a curse for Cesaro. It was terrible for him. But behind the scenes, at least it brought him into the spotlight, into the conversation, so that down the road, he could get the push and the promotion and the marketing that he deserved. But I'll ask you one other question. As bad as it was for Cesaro, 
And I'll admit, it was. I felt terrible for him. As bad as it was for Cesaro, would this rematch, this Sunday, between Brock and The Undertaker be taking place if I didn't spend four months on television saying absolutely nothing but my client, Brock Lesnar, conquered The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania? Right? And that's the point. In the big picture... In the big, and this match, to be blunt, I said it, I said it on television and I meant it. It's the match too big for WrestleMania. So if this, if this match is such big money this Sunday, then Cesaro served his purpose. His purpose on television and in life for those four months was to provide a forum for Paul Heyman to remind everybody what Brock Lesnar did so that one day we could get to this rematch this Sunday, and in that, Cesaro again excelled. I don't clap. I don't like that you just turned a question about Cesaro into another commercial for Undertaker Brock Lesnar. <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah, I know. I'm just teasing. Don't tease me. Katie's here to tease me. <laughs> That's correct. And she does just by sitting next to me. She does. That wasn't even that sweet. I mean, he's talking about, well, whatever. Um... I think we're all out of time for quite... Oh. No, we have Bobby from Westchester, a.k.a. Sam's mom. <laughs> Sammy, did you miss lunch today? Because I have a Twix if you need it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, totally irrelevant to the topic at hand. Uh, always looking for attention. Oh, she just always needs a little bit of shine. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. All right, is that enough? Did you get enough out of that? <laughs> Kathy, do we have a legitimate question? I'd like to be taken seriously here. We have Nicole from Manhattan. Well, then please get a haircut already. How dare you? <laughs> Um, I have a question for Paul. So Medusa is the first Paul Heyman girl. So if you could bring in another Paul Heyman girl from the main roster or the NXT roster, who would it be? Ronda Rousey. Whoa! Well, if that wasn't the right answer, I don't know what was. We got another, I think we're going to do uh, two more questions. Uh, actually, let's do one up there and then, and then come around down here somewhere for the last one. But Kathy? We have Johnny from Manhattan. John A. Uh, for Mr. Hey. Heyman. How are you? Uh, quick question. Since the ending of the streak, it, like, initially it happened, was not that popular a decision uh, when it was made. Was there ever consideration of going back and revisiting the 94 SummerSlam storyline where... Brock actually had beaten the fake Undertaker and not the actual Undertaker? <clears throat> I'm sure that was, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I said in Gorilla that night, and I'm sure this will get me in a lot of trouble. When it comes to Brock Lesnar winning, work or shoot, the finish is the same. Anybody here know what those words mean? What makes you think that if Brock Lesnar wanted to take that victory, he couldn't? He did because he could. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if it's an executive decision or not. If Brock Lesnar wants to take the victory, he's going to take the victory. Who's going to stop him? Nobody is the correct answer. <laughs> that was not a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody. Uh, all right, actually, I think we can squeeze in two more questions. Okay. We have Rob from London. Whoa! Put a shrimp on the Barbie, huh? That, that's the Aussies, but oh, pretty close, yeah. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Hello, Paul. Hello, Corey. The Windy uh, City, London. <laughs> what? Corey, did you get to chat with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa at last week's NXT well, tape? We're going deep inside here. And, Corey, uh, can you please explain the question and, for uh, the people? And how, how, what do they make of the NXT experience, and could we be seeing them coming along to the Barclays Center on Saturday? I honestly don't know if they'll be around. Uh, I think they did very well in, what they, in the role that they had. I do not know contractual answers and whatnot. Um, I've known Johnny for a long time, actually. He's wrestled with him in Cleveland a lot. 
Uh, so I was stoked to see him around. And Ciampa, I, I'm familiar with just from, from seeing around. But um, I, I hate to tell you, surefire, yes, they'll be around or no. But I would say uh, the one thing that's for sure with NXT right now is you never know what's going to happen because we don't know from time to time. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing on TV is happening for the first time. So um, just keep your eyes peeled. Those are, by the way, two very popular independent pro wrestlers that people would like to see in NXT. I just wanted to bring everybody who's listening at home who may not be, you know. That's why you're a professional broadcaster. Just wanted to bring, I want to bring everybody in. I'm an inclusive guy. Right, Paul? (laughs) Kathy, uh, we'll go to, this will be our final question of the afternoon. Kathy? We have Matt from Brooklyn. Final question, so make it good. everyone in this town named Matt? Yes. Um, Paul, so it's been a few decades since the like, glory days of managers. Um, who are some guys who you think are, like, haven't, like, don't get their due anymore? Well, first of all, <clears throat> I'm not a manager. <laughs> oh, no. I'm an advocate. And the reason why I'm an advocate is because I, I don't want to follow in the steps of the guys, like, for example, Captain Lou Albano, Freddie Blassie, the Grand Wizard. <laughs> I can't do their jobs. I can't. Uh, and, and I don't know if they would be doing mine. My job is very unique, especially now with the person that I'm paired with, Brock Lesnar. Um, is that who you advocate for? Pay attention to the product, Sam. You'll come off far more intelligent. Oh. Um, and, then, and then you have guys like J.J. Dillon and Jimmy Hart and, 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 and Bobby Heenan. Of, I, I can't do – I could never have done Bobby Heenan's job. I, I could never have done his job. Uh, so I, I kind of look at it as though my job is different. I tried to redefine the role in what I'm doing because I, I, I can't do what they did, and I, I just can't. So I try to do what I do, and that services the person and the beast – and the conqueror, who this Sunday night, I oh, will boy. add, oh, August boy. 23rd in, in, oh, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, this will is why give they a keep Benson Hurst beat down to the Undertaker. Hey, yo, forget about it, Brooklyn. I hear you. Save the accents for Hot 97. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask the final question to Paul Heyman. People refer to you as quite possibly, as of now, the best person to ever grace a microphone in pro wrestling. People have said that about me. If anyone knows the history of wrestling, it's you. You've been around and you've seen the greats. You've worked with the greats. Do you think it's fair? Do you accept that when people say that about you? My goal is, here's an example of, of, of how I view things. Number one, um, has anybody ever seen me throwing a drop kick off the top rope? No. There was that one time, but we didn't film yeah. it, so... And it's the story that Beth Phoenix told on the DVD. No, and you know why? Because I can't do it better than everybody else. Uh, my, my goal is to be the best at what I do. And if you approach it from that perspective, I look at every Monday as just simply an audition to be on Raw the next week. Uh, do I accept it? I accept it under these terms. If you think what I do now is, is the best ever, I can assure you I am challenged by that assessment to guarantee you that you ain't seen nothing yet from me. Wow. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause. Let's give a round of applause to Kathy Kelly. Let's give a round of applause to Katie Linendahl. Let's give a round of applause to Corey Graves. Let's give a round of applause to Paul Heyman. Of course, everybody knows that SummerSlam is this Sunday night. If you missed any of this show, you can catch it on SiriusXM On Demand. Uh, and Sam Roberts Show will be back live on Monday on OP Radio on SiriusXM. I want to thank uh, uh, the guys in the back, Don Wicklin, everybody from SiriusXM, Paul, Evan, on his last day. WWE for sending this great talent on the stage with me. Talent talent can be, it's it's like deer. It's like deer, you know? Talent. There's a bunch of yous. And let's give it up for Sam. Oh, shucks. Yay. Here is Sam Roberts. Hype Girl's always got my back. What a fun, fun afternoon that was. I got to say again, I know we talked about it when it first happened, but it was so great. 
Everybody that showed up at Caroline's, thank you so much. We must have had, we had close to 300 people in that place. Uh, WWE was thrilled with it. I was beyond thrilled with it. Sirius was thrilled with it. And I was so happy when I got up on stage. And, you know, because technically that was a live broadcast of my show that's on SiriusXM, which, by the way, uh, for you SiriusXM fans, if you don't subscribe to SiriusXM, please do. Uh, my, my radio show which airs every day on SiriusXM. I'm on live, okay? You can call in, you can tweet in, you can do whatever you want. I'm on SiriusXM live every single day. If you like this podcast, it's an hour a week. Oh, we want more Sam. Well, I'm doing a live radio show every single day. All you have to do is get SiriusXM. Go to SiriusXM.com for more details. But as of Monday, September 14th, my time slot is moving. So as I record this, you can hear me every day at noon, all summer long, I've been on every day, Monday through Friday at noon, Eastern Standard Time. As of Monday, September 14th, I will be on uh, Taking Over the Nights. That's right, I'm getting upgraded. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is my new time. I will be on Opie Radio, which is XM 103 and Sirius 206, Monday through Friday, every night from 9 p.m. till 12 a.m., uh, I'm super looking forward to doing the show at night. I think it's going to bring a whole new element to it, and a lot of people have been asking. Let me tell you something. Not only have I upgraded my time slot, but I've upgraded my studio. There will be TVs in my new studio that I broadcast out of at night. I will still be watching Raw. I promise you that. I will watch Raw. Maybe the Monday show, maybe they won't be the most spectacular shows. Every Monday. Maybe my attention will be slightly focused on whatever's going on with Seth Rollins and the authority. But the point is, I'll be doing my job and I'll still be doing what you all expect me to do, okay? It's important to me. It's very, very important. And you're important to me. And if you feel the same way about me, then why don't you support me? Why don't you support the podcast? Why don't you get yourself a t shirt? Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. That's prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. You can get yourself a, a Sam Roberts pod, a wrestling podcast t-shirt, a Not Sam t-shirt, a Not Sam Mode t-shirt, a What's the Haps t-shirt. There's so much, so much for you to dig into there at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Uh, so check that out. All the free entertainment I offer you. Speaking of free entertainment and Corey Graves being at the Q&A, you remember a few weeks ago here on the podcast, it was Corey Graves in studio with me. That video was uploaded just a couple days ago. I think, uh, yeah. A day or two ago, uh, up on the YouTube channel. You can find it at notsam.com or at youtube.com slash notsam. You can check out the video of Corey Graves in studio. Uh, such a pretty face, that boy. Always better to see, right? Right. All right, let's get into it. State of Wrestling time. Let's go. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Where to begin this week? Well, RefGate has taken on a complete mind of its own. At this point, we're all rebarrassed for all the officials and the, and the people who hire officials at WWE. I think that they're sending us a message. Us here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. That's me. That's everybody listening. Every loyal person. That's the people who bring the Sam Roberts and Katie Linendahl signs to wrestling shows. The people who bring RefGate signs to wrestling shows. For instance, me. There's no doubt in my mind that somebody is messing with us because everybody knows at this point what are the two favorite topics on State of Wrestling every week. Number one, how terrible the referees are. Number two, the divas, the women's matches. That's what we talk about every week here on the podcast. And what happens on NXT this week and on Raw? Horrible officiating in the divas matches. What is going on? Are they just doing things? They may be programming television right now just to upset all of us Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners. It's crazy what's happening. First, you turn on NXT, right? And you see all red everything. I have never seen anyone. It's almost as if there's this new thing that goes on in wrestling now where they decide uh, that people genuinely don't like somebody. For instance... The audience genuinely does not like Eva Marie. I do not think it's a thing where we boo her because she's a bad guy. We boo her. The, the audience is genuinely upset to see her. I believe Eva Marie is singularly responsible for, the, for how over Blue Pants is right now. 
just because people prefer blue pants to all red everything. That's how much that's how much they don't want to see Eva Marie. It's not boo, I can't wait to see you getting beat up. It's boo, I wish you weren't on the show. Boo, there's a limited number of matches that I'm going to see this week, and now one of them is wasted because you're in it trying to pull off Brian Kendrick moves. I think there's a genuine contempt for Eva Marie being out there. But what WWE and NXT does is they, they see this genuine contempt and they turn it into, oh, great, we'll make her the biggest heel there is. And I, I don't know if that's what it is. I think there's a difference between what's going on with Eva Marie and actually booing a bad guy. Nevertheless, Eva Marie is getting TV every week. She had a match at the Barclays Center. Solomon Crow didn't have a match at the Barclays Center. Eva Marie had a match at the Barclays Center. This week on NXT, Eva Marie did not kick out. She did not kick out. She was covered by her anonymous diva opponent, and she did not kick out of the pinfall attempt. But the referee just stopped counting and said, oh, shoulder up, shoulder up. And everybody goes, oh, well, Eva Marie forgot to kick out. Let me tell you something. Don't break kayfabe in front of me. Don't come to me and tell me that Eva Marie forgot to kick out, okay? This is pro wrestling, okay? I need to take it seriously when I see it on TV. Eva Marie did not forget to kick out. She was beaten. Her shoulders were pinned for the one, two, three. And this referee decides to stop counting. Now, I don't know what we're going to do with these referees because Katie and I were saying you got to send them down to NXT. NXT, they can't even get their stuff right. You look at this referee and you go, Sir, gentlemen, my friend, you had... How many, folks? You had one job. Keep up, buddy. All you have to do is count to three, and you just stop at two. Worse than Chuck Robinson. Worse than Lil Nate himself, Charles Robinson, is this NXT referee. Then, then go forward to Raw this week. Thank God that Sasha Banks came out on top, and that, that helped to calm me down a little bit. But Sasha Banks and Paige both have their shoulders pinned to the mat. The referee, just like Charles Robinson was at SummerSlam, is out of position. That's the referee's fault. That's not just, oh, that happens sometimes. No, that's a fireable offense as far as I'm concerned. If I'm running a wrestling promotion, I need to make sure that my officials are up to par. For a referee to be out of position, goodbye. See you later. You're not cut out for this job. There's a million other... Uh, people in penguin stripes, they can figure out how to get into the right position before they start to count. It's insane. It's embarrassing, quite frankly, how often this is talked about here on the podcast. But it's like every week the officials get worse and worse and worse. It's worse than the NFL ever was. There's no doubt about it. We need scab referees back. Remember when WWE had scab referees? We need scab referees because these ones that are doing it now ain't cutting it. Get rid of all of them. Except referee Bennett. Keep him. Keep Bennett. Any re- I, we got to get a referee on the podcast to really get to the bottom of this because I want to hear what the excuse could possibly be. What could the excuse possibly be? You know, the job is not getting done, guys. The job's not getting done. Okay? Sorry to be harsh, but that's the way it is. Then, I mean, quite frankly, watching the Sasha Banks page match, that referee that was in the ring with them, there was about five times that I would have called Paige on hair pulling. Paige was pulling Sasha Banks across the ring by the hair. That's illegal. That is not allowed in the sport of pro wrestling. And still, the referee does nothing. Why? Does he have a crush on these girls? Look, I got a crush on them too, but I also got a job to do, okay? I have a job to do, and that's to be analytical when it comes to my pro wrestling. I want to take it seriously, and I can't take it seriously if these referees... Maybe it's because maybe the first concern with WWE should be their uh, in-building security because the referees, we always say the referees had one job. One referee had multiple jobs on Monday night when a fan... It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, and it it made it on Deadspin and a whole bunch of sports websites. A fan jumped over the guardrail started walking down the aisle with Seth Rollins, and nobody stopped him. He was in a good 15 seconds. 
He was just walking around ringside. Like, he didn't know what to do with himself. He was like, I did not factor in that I would have this much time to try to put on a show. It was obvious. He jumped over thinking he would walk funny for three seconds, get tackled to the ground, and thrown out of the building. Maybe spend a night in jail. Either way, it'd be worth it because him and his dopey friends could laugh about it. But instead, he gets 15 seconds to try to act stupid. They took the camera off him. The camera guys realized what was going on, but no security did anything. The referee had to jump out of the ring and stop him. The actual referee for the match in the main event, the John Cena tag match, the referee had to get out of the ring and break up the thing and throw out a fan. Maybe that's why. Maybe the referees have too much on their plate. But quite frankly, if I'm WWE, I realize they have a whole bunch of problems and we can't expect the referees to be doing other people's jobs when they can't even get the job done themselves. If they can't get their own jobs done, how can we expect them to cover for somebody else? My gosh. Refgate, the Divas... I'm very interested to see what happens next week. Charlotte and Nikki Bella, Divas Championship. This is arguably one of the most important Divas matches in years. I mean, this is where the Divas revolution culminates. And hopefully, hopefully after this title match, we'll start drifting into some kind of storyline. Because right now they're still coasting on the fact that these chicks are here. And it's not getting attention. It's not doing it. Like the first couple weeks, it was like, oh man, they're here. This is amazing. Now it's like, okay, yeah, we remember. Yeah, they're here. I remember from before. What do they got? I re- yeah, why are they here? Why are they mad at each other? What's going on here? There's no storylines being devoted to the women. Um, I mean, they're capable of having match of the year candidates. Sasha Banks, are you kidding me? Sasha Banks, the most talented woman on the roster. Charlotte. You know, a very, very close second, and you could argue that all day long. Paige, Becky Lynch. I mean, I'm a Bellas fan. Don't let me, don't let Katie Lindendahl hear me saying that. But, uh, you know, there's so much good stuff going on. Uh, uh, Naomi is incredible. Naomi's very, very good. And without a storyline, see, that's the thing. It's, it's usually not a huge problem with the men, but it's like what they do to Cesaro. They've been doing it a little less recently, but for years. It was, okay, Cesaro, we're going to put you, and we're going to give you enough time to be amazing in the ring, but we're not going to give you any sort of storyline. We can't think of anything. Hey, I wonder why the fans aren't getting behind him as much as they should, because there's no story attached to it, because there's no reason to care about what's going on, and that's what needs to happen with the Divas now. You know, Cesaro kind of flirts with reasons to care. You know, Kevin Owens, they're doing a great job, reasons to care about him. I love the idea of a Kevin Owens-Ryback feud. Did you see them set that up on Raw? That's going to be great. I can't wait to see. And Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens should have a a championship title. Kevin Owens should have a title. He's better with a title. He's one of those guys that as good as he is, he would be even better if he had a title. And I think the Intercontinental title would be perfect for Kevin Owens. Uh, Number one, because finally we could have a champion that uh, his sole intention would not be to bring prestige back to the Intercontinental title. If I hear one more person say they're trying to bring prestige back to the Intercontinental title, I'm going to vomit, okay? Every single person that wins that title says they're trying to bring prestige back, trying to bring it back to the glory days. What glory days? The Intercontinental title is a roller coaster of a title. That thing has had more ebbs and flows than any other championship in wrestling history. That is not... A title that, that, that it has not maintained consistency in terms of being prestigious. Okay, yeah, Ricky Steamboat barely held it. That you know, like you had this moment where where it was. Let's go back to WrestleMania three. Okay, Macho Man, Great Intercontinental Champion. That was when it was like, okay, we're gonna bring it up. Then. Ricky Steamboat wins it. One of the great matches of WrestleMania history. Some say the greatest match of all time. Amazing. And it's an Intercontinental title match. And it tricks people into believing that from then on, the Intercontinental title was this amazing prize. But Ricky Steamboat lost it in no time. And the Honky Tonk Man basically wore it as an ornament for years after that. For a year after that. Honky Tonk Man was wearing it as an ornament. Then the Ultimate Warrior wore it. He's not a great Intercontinental Champion. He just ran to the ring and beat up jobbers. He had some good matches with Rick Rude. That was it. He was not a great Intercontinental Champion. It was just something to carry him over into that match with Hogan. 
You know, the, the, it started to, to pick up steam again when Mr. Perfect got it, when Bret Hart got it, when Shawn Michaels got it, even Davey Boy Smith. That era, that early 90s, that's the golden age of intercontinental titledom. But that's like three years. Then it just starts floating again. Then it's just kind of all over the place. Sometimes it, It's always depended on the champion. Aside from that three-year run of, of, of perfect, uh, it, it was Mr. Perfect, Texas Tornado, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, British Bulldog. Those five guys, and the Bulldog barely even held it, but those five guys had that title at a pretty solid pace for about for two to three years, probably about three years. But after that, it got it got wacky again. It got weird again. You know, so so I, it's always depended on the person that's held the title. It's never been just the title. However, which is the same with any championship. But I think the Intercontinental Championship uh, would be in good, good, good hands with Kevin Owens. Getting back to the Divas Championship, I like seeing records broken. And I think Nikki Bella deserves to break AJ's record. Here's why. AJ is a great performer. But I don't know. I don't think that she is the person who I want in the history books with this record. I mean, this is a person who, over the course of about a year, okay, I interviewed her at WrestleMania 29. You can go back and find that interview. WrestleMania 29, we just passed WrestleMania 31. So two years ago, I'm interviewing her, and she is still like, this is a dream come true. This is, I, I, I get to mark out over Stephanie McMahon every day. She wins the Divas Championship. It means so much to her that she tattoos, shoot tattoos, Real-life tattoos the date that she was scripted to win this fictitious title on the back of her neck. That's how much the Divas Championship and being in the WWE meant to her at that point. Okay? You following me? Somehow, over the course of her title run of less than a year, she completely loses all passion for wrestling and disappears. And she's gone now. Just because she doesn't want to anymore. She's still young. She's in incredible shape. Super over. But she doesn't want to be around anymore. And that's fine. That's fine. If you lose your passion for pro wrestling, that's fine. I don't I don't fault anybody for it. But, you know, I don't know. Having a, a run of like three years, two years maybe. Like as short a run as AJ Lee did. I, 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 I love her. I think she's a great person. I think she's a great wrestler. I just don't think that she's the person that you put in the history books as somebody who's really she. I she had a chance to 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 push the company to a different level, and she didn't because she wasn't around long enough. She would have been at the forefront of this divas revolution, you know, but she didn't stick around long enough for it. Nikki Bella, on the other hand, is somebody that has been there for years. She left. She came back. She never acted like she was too big for it. She never acted like she was over it. She went to try new things. She came back. She has improved more than just about any diva I can think of. This is a woman who started as a model. No wrestling training whatsoever. And has become this kind of, you know, beast in the ring. Is she Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, you know, Sarah Del Rey level talent? Absolutely not. She cannot work like that. But... I would like her to, to, to maintain the record. You know, I would like to see everybody think that Charlotte's going to win the title, and I would like to see Charlotte get screwed out of it. I would like to see Charlotte not win the title because I would like to see Charlotte uh, continue to chase that thing from an evil Nikki Bella. Something to sink our teeth into storyline-wise. Wise. Uh, speaking of Nikki Bella, Katie Linendahl, who's usually here with me on the, uh, on the state of wrestling here, is... Out in San Francisco, she's covering the Big Apple event. You know, she's, she's as far as tech reporting goes, she's number one. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. She's out there in San Francisco right now. She is uh, 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 reporting on the Big Apple event. As of this recording, I don't know what Apple is set to release. But she does have a special guest. Uh, I think we're going to join her by satellite. Katie Linendahl has used some of her amazing technological know-how to set up a satellite connection 
she is in her hotel room in San Francisco right now, live, and I believe is that I'm getting this in my headphone right now. She has set up a, uh, Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella is with Katie Linendahl. Okay, Nikki Bella wants to address the fans of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast right now. So I, I let's do it. Let's. Uh, Katie, are you there? Uh, Nikki, Nikki, are you there? Look up at that Bellatron, because you'll see that I'm counting down my road to WrestleMania. Oops, I mean my road to reigning as the longest hardcore champion in WWE history of all time. And you know what, Bella Army? You're invited. That's right. Here's the deal. Look and check on your email account because invites have been sent and it's going to be the biggest party in WWE history. Like the celebration of the century. There's going to be music, dancing, and bottles popping. And of course, me, Bree, and Foxy. If you didn't get an invite, send us a direct message on Twitter. And notice I said a direct message because Bree and I share a Twitter account because we don't want to waste all that paper on the environment. But fearless not. Do you see what I did there? You always know which one of us responds because we follow what we have to say with a capital N or a capital B. And look, lastly, I want to let you know that some people weren't invited to our celebration. First, obviously all of the members of Team FCC and Team Sam Roberts. Well, actually, Bree sent Sam an invite, but not one to that little sprite that he trolls around with all the time. She's antisocial, so she can have fun on the internet. Wow, uh, is that? I think we lost the connection. Well, thank you for uh, for Nikki Bella. I got to check my my inbox. I can't believe I got an invite invitation to the, <laughs> to the celebration. <laughs> I, I feel like some of the some of the facts were off there, but uh, she's right. And I'm glad I'm invited and not that little uh, troll that I hang around with. Whew! It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun night. Well, speaking <laughs> and hats off to, to Nikki Bella for joining us. Uh, speaking of fun nights, uh, I thought uh, I thought it was – I enjoyed it. People are, are, are not all that keen. I'm interested. Tweet me at NotSam because I'm, I was trying to gauge a reaction. And generally, I think people were kind of down on Sting being goofy on Raw. And I got to tell you, for me, I I thought it worked. I thought Sting is better as a goofy guy than he is as the Crow. I mean, nobody knows the Crow anymore. Uh, Sting, mysterious and silent, kind of comes across like, who's this old guy, you know, in the T-shirt? I'm not scared of, of silent Sting, especially when his face paint gets smudged because he's been hiding out in a trophy case for half an hour before the segment starts. But, I don't know, a, a kind of goofy sting, and it felt like he was uh, he was using some of the motivation he used when he was Joker Sting in TNA. Uh, I like that he didn't, I, I don't think it's good to bring back that face paint at all, but I think goofy sting in crow face paint kind of works. Only in WWE, by the way. This is what I was thinking. Only in WWE. Because this is legitimately how I know... Trust me, I have it on good authority. I don't know anything. I have it on good authority that this is how it happened. That the 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 statue idea for Seth Rollins came up the Monday that they thought that they announced it on the air. So they came across it that day. So everybody went into a panic and said, we need to get a statue of Seth Rollins built within a week. They brought up the statue one week before SummerSlam. And in that week, they had the statue produced, made, built, everything. They took all the trouble of bringing it to Raw. They took all the trouble of traveling with it everywhere, only to destroy it within like three weeks. Only in WWE do you go to all that effort to go like, oh, what are we going to do, keep it? No, let's just destroy it. They couldn't have put it in the lobby of Titan Tower. They couldn't have put it next to Warrior and Bruno and Andre. I thought it was a dope statue. I thought they could have kept it forever, but no, only in WWE do they smash that thing. Well... My gosh. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next week on Raw. Uh, it wasn't 
hugely eventful this week, but I did I did enjoy the Sting segments much more than I thought I would. Speaking of enjoying things, the Stone Cold podcast I thought was great. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Page podcast. I think Stone Cold has such a presence on TV, and he has such a camaraderie in the way that he interviews people. Trust me, I've been interviewed by him a couple of times. I should know. Um, I feel like he's great, but to best use him... I think you should be giving him high-impact interviews every time. He, I, like, I know that John Cena and Stephanie McMahon were both already interviewed by Chris Jericho. But I would redo those interviews with Stone Cold because it's going to be a completely different interview. And I would love to hear Stone Cold interview either of those people. Uh, the, uh, the Vince McMahon Stone Cold, the Triple H Stone Cold, those were great. Paul Heyman Stone Cold was decent. Uh, you know, the Paige Stone Cold, it's like, I love Paige. Her story's fascinating, but how much... Does she have to tell right now? She's still so young in her career. There's not too much to reflect on. I enjoyed the Edge and Christian Stone Cold podcast a lot more than I thought I would because it was guys genuinely having fun. It was just a bunch of guys that have traveled this road of wrestling together and having a good time with each other. And I thought that was uh, I thought that was good. I thought it was cool to see. Uh, and and it felt real. And so much doesn't feel real right now in pro wrestling. So that was uh, that was excellent to see. All right. Let's call it a day here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate everybody uh, for listening to this thing. Follow, uh, follow the gang on Twitter and on Facebook. Facebook is the key. Make sure you're following uh, myself, not Sam, on Facebook. And uh, Katie Linendahl, too. Why not? We will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Toodaloo, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.